Asalaamu As Alaikum sisters, it's Shahida here and today we have the lovely sister Mariam with us today from London. So Asalaamu As Alaikum Mariam. Uh, wa Alaikum Salaam. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Oh, it's lovely to be here, mashallah. And I can't wait to hear your story and um, the tips that you're going to share with us ladies here um, based on your experiences. Inshallah, it'd be lovely to share. So over, to, over to you, Mary. I'm going to put it over to you. Okay. Right. Um, my name is Mariam Noor, and I am known as Muslim Survivor of Domestic Violence on Facebook. Uh, so I have a Facebook page which, Alhamdulillah, can reach 1.4 million people, and I have over 20 groups. Uh, we specialise in domestic violence, mental health, uh, dawah. Um, lots and lots of different areas and we have uh, we work globally all around the world and we have a team of about 40 global admins who work around the clock to support women in crisis inshallah that sounds really good mm -hmm. and how how did you get into that whole working um, <coughs> um that um how i got into it was actually my story um um, um, I was in a 22-year-long, uh, very, very abusive marriage with extreme domestic violence. Um, and from being in that marriage, um, I decided to try to create a platform and create a, set, a support network for other people who um, can't get out and can't get any support and for women to heal from what they've been through because... Alhamdulillah, even though my experience was really, really bad, Allah seemed to have given me, had blessed me with an ability to rise from those flames and be able to go back into the fire and help others to get out. So, um, so that's what I did. So it was a 22-year-long, 22 very, very abusive marriage. So, yeah. So and You've learned so much in that period yeah. as well, haven't you, that you're going to share with us. So, yeah, inshallah, yeah. that our sisters here, we don't, you know, we can learn from that for our future. Yeah. yeah. Well, that type of marriage is quite rare. So um, because most marriages actually are and I won't make this light, but generally tend to be uh, emotional abuse. So that's what we're going to talk about today, uh, because that one is a lot harder to spot. Mm. Um, obviously, if someone is knocking your head off a wall, I think you're going to know that you're in a violent relationship. Um, there's no denying it. But when it comes to emotional abuse, uh, it's very, very hard quite often to spot the signs and to realise that you're in an emotionally abusive relationship so um that's why today we're going to cover that area inshallah yeah and it's such an emo it's such a important topic because it's so subtle yeah. isn't it and you don't know it when you're in it yeah. you just don't know it yeah you don't uh, the the changes are so inc incremental um, mm. you know which means it they happen so so slowly so each day you will be devalued that little bit more than the day before and by the time you get to say six months down the line you don't recognize the person that you had married they, they are nothing like it but the changes have been very very small and they just build up over time and then when you get to a point of six months you look back and you realize wow I can't believe that this person that I'm now married to 
was the person who wooed me in the beginning because it is so different but it, it happens so gradually that you really don't see it but other people around you will see it you know but you don't so that that tends to be the way with emotional abuse especially if there's no violence no name calling um you know if it really is just very very covert and very subtle it is actually very very hard to detect but other people around you will spot it how can we spot that earlier on mariam like um right how do you spot it earlier on um right well let's let's go right back to the beginning of when you first meet them yeah so for example um you upload your profile on single muslim let's say okay we're going with them let's not we're not promoting them <laughs> let's let, let's go with them i i did find my most recent partner my husband from there which obviously we are now you know, going through the, the divorce so you know so um anyway so you upload your profile and they message you uh, um sort of i prayed for someone like you so that's how it starts so um and that's why i talk about uh, spiritual abuse because they catch you with the fact that they sell themselves as this good brother. Lots of people think that women who end up in abusive relationships specifically go out of their way to pick these bad boys. Actually, that is very rarely the case. We're actually looking for good people. You know, these perpetrators um, deliberately choose us and mirror us and make us believe that they are good people so we are not choosing bad people we're not going after bad boys they will sell sell you a dream of being together forever until jenna and they're going to sort of help you heal from any past traumas that you might have had and they will come across as um, the nicest person and often they'll come across as quite vulnerable and actually like they're unconfident that they don't have confidence and you'll spend your time building them up. So if you do notice that you're with someone who is, um, if you're in communication with someone who seems to be really lacking confidence, that's also a bit of a red flag there because once you do marry them, you'll be really surprised how fast the tables will turn and it will be you that will be lacking the confidence and not them. They will suddenly become quite arrogant. You know, but uh, it starts off with a person that you might not even feel initially that attracted to, you know, and you're looking at them thinking they will never hurt me. You see them mm. as very vulnerable, uh, very childlike um, and sweet and innocent. And we're talking here about the, the one who will use Islam. So they will appear like a good brother, a very good brother, somebody who fears Allah and would never hurt you. So it's, uh, but the warning signal, which we all need to work out, uh, look out for, is quite a fast moving relationship. These people are not in it for long term investment. Mm. So if they can't move the relationship along as fast as they would like, they will very quickly drop you. So try to slow the process down. Don't talk to them late at night. Don't talk to them for hours on end. Um, have limited conversations don't talk for more than an hour at a time you know because the conversation will start to go on to bits you're going to start talking about your vulnerabilities and things like that and they're just feeding off that um, if a person seems to be everything that you would want him to be if he seems to be a mirror of you you know all of your dreams are 
his dreams. All of your insecurities and your worries tend to be his insecurities and his worries. If you've had a difficult childhood, he happens to have had a difficult childhood too. You know, he will be your mirror. So if you're, in, if you're talking to somebody and you feel like, wow, we have so, so much in common. He's just like, wow, he's just, he's everything. He's everything. Really, how many people really are everything to you? You know, how many people have that much in common with you? That's also a red flag. That's quite a red flag. And it's a process called mirroring. So during the love bombing stage, which is what they're doing when you first connect with them on single Muslim or whatever, they will be love bombing you and they will be mirroring you and selling you your own dreams. So they will be selling you your dreams. You will have told them your dreams and they will sell, sell you your dreams. But they are your dreams and they're not their dreams. They're your dreams. So just be careful of how long you talk to them, what you tell them, because everything you do or say will in time be used against you. <laughs> you know, so it's a bit like the police caution. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to think about that. So be guarded, you know, so don't be telling them any stories about your your past especially very early on don't be telling those stories about your past you know because and also if they tell you about a crazy ex okay all of these abusers have a crazy ex okay mm. now they will be telling you all about her and how difficult she was how controlling she was how wealthy she was how she wanted everything you know what they're actually doing there is they're grooming you and they are preparing you and conditioning you for a life with no provision or very little provision um, they're telling you what they don't want so that crazy ex may not exist she may have been a really nice person you know and she may not ask for anything or you know she you know she she you have to think about she's not actually a crazy ex because with time you know when he finally works through his process you're going to be the crazy ex so they all have a crazy ex so and and we have to be careful about that as well when we're telling our stories because obviously some of us do actually have a crazy ex i have <laughs> my second ex is a very crazy ex so if i was to go and tell someone my story of my crazy mm. ex they'd be like oh my god red flag red flag you know so obviously some people can actually be telling the truth they really genuinely could have had a crazy ex but really we shouldn't be telling those stories about the crazy ex very very early on so if anyone is telling you about a crazy ex really really early on take that as a red flag if in future one day when i start looking forward to remarriage i definitely won't be telling anybody about my crazy ex i won't be you know because at the end of the day we're when we're telling our stories about our abuse we're actually letting people know what we have tolerated in the past and we have to think about that we're telling them i tolerated this you know if they're an abuser they're going to be sitting there with their eyes open and thinking wow you know it's a bit like the lion spotting the deer you know and he's going to be like wow that's the brilliant victim here you know so we have to be really really careful what we say so early on i'm not saying lie i'm just saying do not say everything do not expose yourself very early on. Do not expose yourself. We don't need to disclose all of those things about ourselves, especially when we're first communicating with someone. 
maybe down the line when you know that you know you're properly going to marry and everything maybe at that point you can start to talk even still i don't think that you need to say everything you know i don't think that you do i think that we leave something back of ourselves that's our story and we don't have to share it you know we don't have to you know there is no judgment on that we don't have to share it at the end of the day we are actually teaching people what we have tolerated so we've got to be careful with that we've got to be very very careful with that especially you know if, if we we have seven billion people in the world and one uh, one out of every seven is actually a an emotional abuser did you know that it's actually that high so one in seven wow. people is an emotional abuser so if you think about that your chances of coming into contact with an emotional abuser someone who will use you and abuse you emotionally there might not be any violence any aggression any threat but they are out there so one in seven people that you can come into contact with will exploit your vulnerabilities you know so we need to be aware of that as humans we need to be aware of that i'm not saying be scared of everybody but just don't expose yourself don't expose yourself and don't tell your whole story, especially with the first um, meetings of somebody on single Muslim, which unfortunately people do do, you know, and this is, these perpetrators are just on there waiting for us, you know, so there are things that we can do to protect ourselves, you know, of not telling our story, not spending long time in communication with them, not talking to them late in the evening, um, you know, limiting the communication, not allowing the pace to move very quickly, you know, and not allowing them to, to set the pressure off the pace as well. Don't allow everything to run on their terms. Mm. Because if you're allowing that before the marriage, well, you've already given away all your power. You know, your, all your autonomy is already gone. So we, th these are the things that we need to look out for when going forward. You know, and spirit, I say spiritual abuse because of the fact that this is wrapped up. When we're dealing with Muslims, they use Islam, they sell us our dream together forever onto Jannah. That's what we want when we marry. That's what we want. You know, so obviously there is spiritual abuse in there, you know, and yet these men have no fear of Allah whatsoever when it comes to you. They have no fear. They're, they're going out there to get what they want and they will discard you you know so we have to be really 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 careful to not get taken in be aware that one in seven of our population of the whole population one out of every seven people is actually an emotional abuser if we take those figures into account you know then really we need to we not we need to not project our good qualities onto people that don't possess them you know, because that's what we do as well. We sell ourselves our own dreams. Mm. And we see that in someone else and we say to ourselves, oh, he's this and he's that. But actually, listen to what their actions are telling you. Not just their words, their mm. actions. What are their actions telling you? Because actually, we often, and I know this isn't in my own case, you know, yes, he did sell me a dream, but I sold myself that dream too. Mm. And as soon as I married him, well, he soon started to de the devaluation process, and I continued to sell myself my dream. I continued what is the de devaluation process, um, Mary? Right, the devaluation process is mm. it can often happen before marriage, where mm. um, before marriage they'll start to 
um, try to condition you to uh, like, uh, for example, um, I don't know, showing anger in conversations or, or uh, telling you you're not worldly, um, things like that. So they'll start trying to condition you to be who they want you to be. But as soon as you get married, um, you've done your nikah, um, at that point, and I have found this with literally most of the Muslim women that I'm working with when it comes to emotional abuse, uh, as soon as they've got married, that's it the act is gone i mean it's there you know they're still nice and they're quite kind but there's an instant feeling of um how they start treating you one sister was telling me the way he just packed her clothes in the bag like he had no regard for her clothing so he was showing her this is what you mean to me now i'm just throwing your stuff in the suitcase you know touching them with no care you know, so it's actions. You will notice it more with actions rather than words. They will show you that they don't care. They will start to, um, my ex actually said to me, and we just got married. I can't believe this is on the wedding day. So I, I knew right from the beginning, to be honest, that this wasn't going to end well, but it was a third marriage and I didn't want a divorce. And he said to me, we're going to be just fine so long as you're willing to learn. Those words were said to me. They were said to me, and I'm sure that they're said to many sisters, you know, we're going to be just fine so long as you're willing to learn, you know. And as Muslim women, we, we do try to sort of, wow, we're going to make this work, you know. That was a third marriage. Of course, I didn't want to just get up and walk out, which one could argue maybe I should have, but um, I didn't. I just sort of, I, I pulled him up on it. I said, what do you mean? We'll be fine so long as we're willing to learn. What do you mean by that? Oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I, I, you know, it's my English. It's not very good. You know, uh, I just meant that we're going to be fine so long as we're both willing to try. But actually, his words were, we'll be fine so long as you're willing to learn. I never forgot those words. They were said not long after I'd married him, you know, and they, they were the biggest red flag. You know, I heard those words when they were said. You know, but then I thought, you know, it's third marriage, I'd announced it to everybody, you know, and obviously, you know, look, I didn't want to just walk away straight away, you know, but even though the signs were there, so the signs are there very early on because that was completely devaluing me, wasn't it? Mm. The tables were reversed. He went from this vulnerable person who was walking on air to be with me to then suddenly holding all the cards and all the power within the relationship. And that was on the day of the wedding, you know. And this is what actually happens to Muslim women. Most women won't tell you that, but they let you know very early on that how they're going to be with you and how they're going to treat you. And obviously, he was still kind and he made me lovely food and he was very attentive and very sweet. And, you know, intimately, he was very passionate, you know. So obviously, I was. I was happy with him, but at the same time, there were always signs that this love was conditional, you know, where during the idolization and the love bombing phase, then he just loved me unconditionally. I was his world, you know, I was his together forever unto Jenna. Once we got married, it was, we'll be fine, so so long as you're willing to learn. The love changed straight away to a Mm -hmm. conditional form of love. So that's what I mean by devaluation. It's a conditional love that 
I would say the majority of Muslim women end up going through, you know, as marriage progresses. But in, with an emotional abuser, it's actually very quick. It's very, very quick, you know, where everything becomes conditional. You know, everything is conditional. Suddenly you've gone from having this vulnerable person to this arrogant person. And actually you're the one who becomes vulnerable and you're starting to question, does he love me? Does he care about me? And his words will be telling you, I love you, of course. We're together forever until Jannah. But actually, he'll also be telling you, you know, you, you need to do this and you need to improve and, you know, let's try this and let's try that, you know. Let, you know he'll be pulling your flaws and um, pointing out any mistakes that you've made, you know. So suddenly, so you've gone from being idolized and love-bombed to suddenly you're, you're inferior and there's something wrong with you and you're not doing enough, you're not trying hard enough. You know, and you just keep investing and you stop listening and you don't listen to that. You listen to yourself and you keep telling yourself. You continue to love on yourself and you tell yourself that, you know, he is your together forever onto Jenna and this is going to work. When actually you know deep down that it's not working. It's not working. You know, so yeah, that it's quite sad. Yeah, you know, it the really phase break. It does break you down and takes mm. away your self-esteem and leaves you a shell of a person from the person mm. that you were. So you become reversed because he started off the vulnerable one, you know, and you had more confidence than him. And then very quickly, and it's actually so fast, you are the one who is sort of vulnerable and questioning your, you know, uh, is this going to work? Does he love me? And he's there quite arrogant, like, well, she's not going anywhere. She loves me to bits, you know. So isn't it strange how the tables turn so quickly when it's emotional abuse? I mean, it's amazing how this works, you know. Oh, that's so interesting, Marion. What about um, yeah. your saint? You're touching on um, spiritual abuse as well. Um, can you expand on yeah. that a bit? Well, the spiritual abuse. Uh, there's different. There's different ways that they do it. Uh, so basically, um, and, you know. Uh, obviously, some women can be uh, pressured into uh, intimacy. I'll say intimacy. Some women can be really, really pressured into intimacy. And um, so, for example, um, if she's not, you know, she's tired or she's not feeling it, then obviously it's astounding. We've all heard this one, haven't we? I had it in my second marriage, um, not in my first or my third, but in my second. A thousand angels will curse you to morning if you don't try and marry another wife. Um, I think we've heard, so, we've heard, everyone's probably had that one. In, yeah, exactly. In a relationship, so, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That uh, that is their right. And you must serve them. So um, the spiritual abuse, obviously, when it comes to intimacy, can really be really, really quite bad. But there's another form of a spiritual abuse with intimacy, which is rare. And that is a case of withholding, um, withholding love, you know, so withholding intimacy from the partner, which also is extremely common. You know, lots of these emotional abusers will not sleep with their wives or will sleep with them, but only on their terms. So they don't want a woman to enjoy intimacy at all. She's not supposed to. You know, she has to just, you know, be there and be responsive when he wants it. 
but she should never go and approach him. Um, they're quite messed up, really, you know. But obviously, so um, emotional abusers have two sides: either that they're demanding and controlling, and they, you know, they will pester their wives and demand intimacy, or there's the other side where they withhold the intimacy so that you then question yourself am i attractive am i beautiful what 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 better way to take a woman's whole self-esteem but to actually refuse to sleep with her you know i mean how how will she feel you know she feels so unattractive it rips her apart inside so that's also something that people don't talk about because it's very embarrassing, you know, and people say, oh, did he not find you attractive or whatever? Of course he found you attractive. They, he knew that that was the thing that was going to tear you down. That was going to break you apart, you know, to make you feel that you were not beautiful. You were not attractive. So that's, that's, another, that's another part of... Um, and again, they use the religion for that um, uh, when they're withholding. It's like we should focus on our creator. We shouldn't be so obsessed with, you know, I mean, you're, you've just got married, you know, you want to share some time together. And they're trying to use the religion to say, well, actually, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be having intimate time together when really, I mean, seriously, what did we get married for? But to fulfill <laughs> fulfill our you know our, our desires the human needs that's what we need to do you know we all want to have an, an, an intimate relationship with our husbands otherwise why would we get married you know so you're made to feel like a bad woman like you're demanding you know almost like you're a whore you know for wanting to be intimate so obviously that's something that women will never talk about really they will never talk about that side the women don't seem to mind saying that the man was pressuring them and saying a thousand angels curses you to morning and things like that. But actually to admit that somebody made her feel that, uh, you know, she was unattractive and didn't want to sleep with her and didn't want to be intimate with her and rejected her, that, that cuts so deeply that um, she's not going to want to admit that. And especially when he's tried to use the doom to try to make her feel that, you know, she's almost a harlot or something. You know, so that's quite bad. And then they can reward you with intimacy. Say, for example, if you learn sorrows or, you know, they seem to think that you're being a good wife today. So um, Islamically speaking. So the, the religion is used completely to reinforce this emotional abuse. It, it's used completely. So that's why I call it spiritual abuse, because it is spiritual because it's connecting at your very core, at your relationship with the last one of Tala. It's, uh, it's getting you completely as a Muslim, as a woman. It's, it's hurting you more than anything else can hurt you. So it is very, very spiritual. That's really interesting because you kind of, like there are, I mean, there's, I know like not every man out there is the same. And um, and they probably use their spiritual abuse in different ways. I mean, I've definitely heard the first one before, where yeah. you know, the angels will curse you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like a very common one. Um, yeah, because there's no shame in admitting that. Yeah, there is a shame in admitting that your husband won't sleep with you. <laughs> there's definitely a shame mm. in that. People are like, "What's wrong with you?" 
did he not find you attractive were you yeah. overweight were you know what did you do wrong mm. do you do you see what i mean so women will not talk about that side but believe me from the women that i work with mm. this is extremely common this is actually extremely common and not just within muslims but obviously the muslim side of this is the you know this is who we deal with but uh, for non-muslim women this all comes under emotional abuse there's two mm. sides to it it's, and um, it, it, he, you know if you read um, um, there's different books on it and he's basically defined as a sexual controller so either demanding sex or withholding so there's two sides to this type of emotional abuse so and intimacy is a very big part of that so that's why we're being brave enough to talk about that today but yeah <laughs> because it's very important as women we need to be more open we need to say yeah this happened to me you know and this isn't okay you know so yeah it's it's not very nice you know and remember if we're looking at the divorce process uh for you know if a man is to divorce his wife actually this withholding part that i'm talking about is actually present in that divorce process just remember it says stay away from her bed if you're displeased with her that's part of the punishment process of to try to get her to refine her ways do you see what i mean so it is actually there and they can try to justify this they do use the religion to justify this withholding behavior you know because it is actually there it is in if we look at Sora uh, Nisa, it's in there. It's in there. So, you know, this is actually real, but women don't talk about this. Women don't talk about this. They will talk about the founder day. Thousand angels will curse you tomorrow and mm. I'll get an, a, another wife because there doesn't seem to be a shame and a stigma in that. But admitting that your husband is refusing you, well, who's going to admit that? You know, apart from me. I will admit that. <laughs> but because I'm no, uh, that's a very valid saying, point. Yeah. Could you give another example of um spiritual abuse, uh, Mariam? Okay, um wow, okay. Uh, we're we're talking about intimacy, we're talking about uh let me see now. Um they will define what a Muslim woman is. If mm. you know uh, they will define what a Muslim woman is. A good woman doesn't raise her voice, a good Muslim woman doesn't answer back. Um, so you're, they will give you definitions of what a good Muslim woman is. So if you're not meeting those definitions, according to them, I may add, um, then you are not a good Muslim. So you are constantly told what a good Muslim woman is and the fact that you're not meeting that standard. So therefore, it's to, to hurt you at your very core of being a Muslim woman. Also, it could be as well... Um, controlling what you choose to wear you know what, what your islamic hijab is or what your um, what your spiritual views are you know because you could have very different uh, um views um like my first husband um i came to islam and i wanted to wear a hijab actually and i wanted to be a muslim and he didn't actually want me to be now that still comes under spiritual abuse he didn't want me to wear a hijab, he didn't want me to be Muslim, uh, so that was spiritual abuse. Uh, my second marriage, there was also spiritual abuse there. I was told completely what to wear, how to be. I had to walk with my head down completely. I couldn't, I couldn't even dare to look up 
I had to uh, dress from head to toe completely in black. Um, you know, he controlled every aspect of my life while walking out in designer clothes himself from head to toe and looking very good and smelling in the most expensive aftershave you ever smelt. So he did not live the standards which he applied to me. You know, so that wasn't very fair, was it? You know, so um, that is spiritual abuse, controlling someone, controlling every aspect of their life, you know, uh, not allowing a woman to work. And so that was in the second marriage, again, because the second marriage was extremely abusive. So, yeah, and so and the religion was used. I was only allowed to work if I could find a female only environment. Do you know of any female only <laughs> environments? Because even in the work that I do, which is very female orientated, yeah. I still have a team and mm. 10 of my team are male. They are male mm. admins. Alhamdulillah, I have 10 good male admins on my team. So I still have men on my team. So mm. there isn't a, even in what I'm doing right now, which is a very female environment, it's still not completely. Different. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's actually impossible because yeah. we live in the real world mm. and you know half of our population are male <laughs> you know we can't seem to avoid them you know so that we cannot have such requirements put to us you know to prevent us in order to work especially when they're going about their business um saying hi honey as they're doing their deliveries you know <laughs> so you know I, and i would hear him on the phone we're talking about the second husband here mm. um this was the real per, uh, the horrendous he was a malignant narcissist so it was a very worst form of abuse um and he would be i would hear him on the phone and he would be hi uh, hi honey hi gorgeous to the people he was doing his deliveries to yet i had to if i was to get a job because i went and i educated myself and i really wanted to work i wasn't allowed a job because I could only work in a female-only environment, you know, which obviously doesn't exist. It actually mm. doesn't exist. There isn't a place on earth that is a female-only environment. I mean, if somebody knows one, they can let me know, but um, I don't think that there is, because even if you worked within a refuge service, you come into contact with solicitors, with police, yeah. you are still going to come into contact with some males. You know, I did no, try. definitely. <laughs> yes. So it was impossible. And the spiritual abuse is setting impossible standards and judging people. You know, I was also in that second marriage called Kafa the whole time. The whole time called mm. Kafa. You know, I was called Arabic swear words the whole time. Again, these were very derogatory swear words, uh, meaning shaitan and everything. Yes, that was all spiritual abuse. It was all spiritual abuse. It was to try to make me feel like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't this. If I dared to raise any issues, I was jahil, which means you know that you are you're not you know you you haven't left your ways from pre-Islam. You know, I was still in jahiliya, as they will say. You know, and so you you just constantly yet um, he didn't have to live up to any of his standards or any of his rules. So he could be completely Western and just go about his life and wear designer clothes from head to toe and everything. And I had this very 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 rigid mm -hmm. way of life that I had to live by, which obviously was unacceptable. Nobody should be dictating how you live your life you are a muslim and inshallah when you 
dying, you're going to be on your own. You're going to be on your own. When you go, when, when you go into that grave, it's just you, you know, and you need to do as many good deeds and all of your actions. They shouldn't be for anyone. They shouldn't be for your husband. They shouldn't be for anyone. Everything you do should be for the sake of Allah. It shouldn't be for anyone else, you know, and for a man to try to make the religion about him mm. rather than for connection with Allah is spiritual abuse. It's spiritual abuse. That connection with Allah is the most important thing. SubhanAllah, you know, I mean, I've had three husbands and my connection with Allah has always been my most important thing. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be Muslim now <laughs> because I'm still standing, aren't I? I'm still here as a Muslim because that yeah. has always been the most important thing. You know, as I used to say to my second husband, I was Muslim before you and I will be Muslim after you. So you can call me Catherine, you can call me all the names you like, mm. but you cannot take my deen from me. You know, and that's exactly what he was trying to do, take my deen from me. You know, and we can't allow that. And so I suppose when we're defining spiritual abuse, that one is massive. Um, and there will be women who, either they're a born Muslim or they're, or, or their reverts who mm. would have been called Kafirs, who would have been called Jahil, uh, who would have been called Munafakim, mm. Shriek, uh, all of these words that they use uh, to, to basically make us feel that we are not Muslim and we are not good enough. And that is not okay. That is not okay. No one should um, belittle another person. Allah is the only one to judge us. Yeah, no, totally agree with you know, so that is such spiritual abuse and women go through this all of the time and um, obviously that all comes under emotional because that really connects with you on an emotional or psychological level so it, it's bad you know when you're on the receiving end of that and yeah. i'm sure that lots of your listeners today will have had experiences similar to that yeah one. i'm sure they i definitely think yeah. they've probably gone through yeah. something similar as well mariam yeah. if you could give one tip today um what would that be um or one um, piece of all right, right. wisdom or anything that you could give to um, the audience today that's listening what okay. would that be right um right okay let's try now to think of uh, one psychological <laughs> let's let's go with one tip going forward okay if you meet someone and you you know you marry them okay and if you're on your first marriage or your second marriage or your third marriage or fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever number it is okay and you know what if you know at that point because unfortunately lots of these abusers do let you know from very very early on okay if you know that this isn't going to work you know what don't feel ashamed to walk away okay don't feel that shame don't don't do what i did okay the first one i sort of married and i was 18 and i didn't want the shame and stigma of a failed marriage you know second one again it was a second marriage i knew very quickly didn't want the shame and stigma because i'd already had one failed marriage third one again didn't want the shame and stigma you know please you know what if you get that gut feeling and you know it's wrong just don't go through it don't go through with it if you, even if you have already been intimate with them and they show you who they are you know what do do yourself the biggest favor and don't worry what number marriage it is okay just walk away and choose you 
okay that is the biggest message that i could give to anyone is to just walk away if you know it's wrong follow your gut instincts follow your gut instincts listen to your gut don't worry about shame and stigma because as women we are always going to have this you know we're going to sit there and think oh my goodness this bad marriage you know for first marriage and oh what are people going to say about me second marriage what are people going to say third what are people going to say it really doesn't matter okay they're going to say what they're going to say regardless of what number it is okay don't worry about that people who love you will love you regardless people who are going to judge you are going to judge you regardless you know just choose you and walk away when you know it's wrong you know that that is the biggest part of advice that i could give don't get sucked into the shame and stigma which obviously i'm saying this and i'm clearly telling you that i did get sucked into the shame and stigma but alhamdulillah i walked away after six months so i didn't hold on to that i didn't stick for 22 years like previously okay all right um and the first one was three and a half years um i didn't so i did walk away when it got to six months and i just knew this and i cannot do it i cannot do this regardless of shame and stigma so and follow your gut and follow your gut yeah because they will show you very very quickly who they are they will show you you will know okay now when you know don't go flogging a dead horse as i would say you know don't water a dead flower okay just cut it dead and just say that's it you know what crack it down to experience and don't worry about it you know seriously just walk away don't put yourself through it okay it's very very hard it's very hard to to go through that mine was only six months alhamdulillah this time but even still it was hard it affected my self-esteem you know there were good times of course alhamdulillah there's Mm. always a blessing in an islamic marriage and there were good blessings within it but at the same time you know what it did it did hurt it it wasn't easy you know and obviously you know why put yourself through it you know why put yourself through it that's good advice mariam following your gut instincts um and i've always always you know your gut never lets you down and um i found that in every situation especially when i haven't followed my gut i'm like damn why didn't i follow my gut it's like yeah you (laughs) always like regret it afterwards so i do like that um and don't care what number husband he is okay right seriously do not worry even if we're even if we get up to elizabeth taylor standards and i what how many did she have was it seven okay so (laughs) what you know so what if we end up beating elizabeth taylor you know why should we settle for scraps at the table because we had a certain level of numbers you know Mm. you know and love yourself first I yeah, like that. Love, love yourself. yourself. Yeah, that's and, really yeah, and powerful. Heal before you remarry would be a really good yeah. one as well. Heal before you remarry. And if you notice you're attracting narcissists, it means you haven't healed. Yeah, means that's, you haven't healed. that's so really good. Get out me? of the marriage circuit if you notice, because you will notice you're attracting these perpetrators. Mm. Get back out of that marriage circle, circuit, get off single Muslim, get off any of those sites go read a book like psychopath free okay uh read whole again as, as well which is a book all about healing which is by the same author um read those books help 
look work on yourself mm. and then then when you feel that you're a lot better then go forward again and have a try but if you still attract narcissists and you will know you're attracting them if you keep attracting narcissists don't continue with that marriage process and hope that they're going to be really good people coming forward um you know go back and work on yourself again you know because only one in seven people are emotional abusers if you're attracting all seven <laughs> each time then you know that there's that you need to heal you need to look after yourself because you're very vulnerable and they can tell they can tell and they're sniffing mm -hmm. you out because the chance of meeting all these bad people in the world isn't actually that high because only one in seven of them are that bad but obviously i've had three out of three marriages all three of mine because why i was vulnerable i was vulnerable on each of these marriages i was a vulnerable person going into it if we are vulnerable let us heal first before we try to marry okay let's work on our vulnerabilities you know because that's the biggest thing this is what's attracting them to us our vulnerabilities so let's work on those so Thank we, you, when we see a narcissist we can yeah. we can deal with that Inshallah. Thank you so much for coming on here, Mariam. I don't know we're running out of time now, but thank, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your oh. experiences and your tips with us. Um, I'm sure oh. it's going to help a lot of the ladies that are listening to the podcast today. Oh. And um, I wish you well, oh, before we close, how can we find you? How can we get right. in touch with? Okay, uh, you can either find Mariam Noor. Yeah. on uh, Facebook and um, I have on my profile picture it's actually the Muslim survivor of domestic violence um, crown uh, or you can find me on my Muslim survivor of domestic violence page and I have more than 20 groups which are linked to that page so I'm sort of key to all of that inshallah and we have uh, obviously if I'm busy or everything we have got a committed team of over 40 global admins who work all around the world who uh, try their best lots of them are brilliant coaches who try their best to support all of our sisters and we actually do help brothers as well because we deal with mental health um so you know all around the world so you know Brilliant. we we are here for you so just contact the page find the page muslim survivor of domestic violence that's on facebook okay find that page join the groups there's lots of brilliant groups there you know so join the groups and then become part of our community yeah because we are breaking the cycle of domestic violence we're dealing with mental health uh, and we're also uh, working within Dawa as well. So what I'll do, Mariam, is I'll put your details on their um, post as okay. well, so anyone can contact you easily as well. And thank you so much for coming on here today. And oh, um, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Mashallah. And maybe we'll do a part two another time as well, because I know you have a lot to say, and <laughs> there's a lot to share, and there's so many, Mashallah. you know, there's so much that you've been through that you want to share as well oh, so we'll do sure. a part two another time but have a lovely day mariam and thank you so much okay. assalamu alaikum love is